So what should I talk about today? Well, God's word, of course. It's, but this is a special day. It is a day of transition for our church. Um, it's a day of transition for many of us because many of us have gone through different things together and, and God has been with us. So I want to remind you that this is not a time for distress or anxiety. Yes, there is some sorrow and some emotion, but God is always faithful. And so, it seems like this was probably the Sunday to talk about what is the most important. So the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 10 said these words, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you have already memorized that verse. If you haven't, that's a very good one to know. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, some of us have the idea saved means, well, it means I won't go to hell. Well, it does mean that. But saved in Greek is a whole different kind of word. It's a word about being made whole, about everything being made right. It's a, day, it's a word for today, not just sometime after I die. It's a word for living, to live not a broken life that has destruction scattered all through it, but instead to live the life of wholeness that God intended for us when he created. And he demonstrates that to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and the resurrection. So I invite you to stand with me as we read from the gospel of the Lord today. The gospel reading is uh, the gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. This is the gospel of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and 
believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So many of you, as soon as the story began, you knew exactly how it was going to develop, and you were expecting everything that occurred because it's a familiar, a very familiar story to you. But try to put your place, yourself in the place of never having heard the story of reading this gospel that John has written for the very first time. And the place where the story begins is a place of great sorrow, a, great, a place that sounds like it is full of defeat and destruction. Just before, the words just prior to what we read in the gospel, the words are these. Taking Jesus' body down from the cross, Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So would you, having read to that point in the story, 
would your expectation have been that the next stage in the story was going to be this remarkable account of Jesus' body being missing and then of Jesus himself appearing to Mary? Would you have expected that when, when uh, Peter and John arrived at the tomb, that there would be the grave clothes all laid out, but empty, deflated, because the body was no longer in them. Would you have expected a dialogue between the very much alive Jesus and Mary? Early on that Sunday morning, no one, not Pilate, not the chief priests, not the enemies of Jesus, not the guards who had been placed there to make sure that nobody would steal the body from the tomb, not the disciples, not Joseph or Nicodemus who had prepared, <coughs> prepared Jesus' body for burial and put him in the tomb, not even the women who had gone out to the tomb that morning, no one was expecting events to develop the way that they did. So what did it mean? Before the creation of the world, the Scripture tells us, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knew that every human being, including you and me, that every one of us would rebel against him, that we would choose to live lives of selfishness and destruction, that we would do what we could to secure our lives and secure what we want for ourselves, and in fact, cut ourselves off from God, the creator, the source of life and existence for everything in the universe that exists. And he knew that if we cut ourselves off from him, the source of life, that of course, death would be the result. God knew we were going to be rebels cruel, unkind, destructive, harming one another. But even then, before we ever came into existence, he chose us. He chose you. He, the creator, he chose to love you and me and to do everything that was necessary for us to be reconciled to him. So there's nothing left for us to do. And so John begins the gospel story by saying that the Logos, the creator, became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Creator, became a mortal man for the purpose of suffering the curse of death that belonged to us on the cross in our place. Now, the creed that we just said together says, he descended into hell, or he descended into Hades, the place of death. And there he, the creator of all, the originator of everything that exists, the source of life, who of course could not be overcome by death, He recreated what it means to be a human being. He took what was mortal, and he made that mortal body immortal. He gave it the glory that he intended for human beings when he first began to create. And then he left the grave, the living one. And to all who will receive him, John says, to those who will believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. To all who are willing to be reconciled to God and to trust their lives to him, the Creator, to them He gives immortality. For them, death becomes temporary. Resurrection awaits for all. And in his, his rejoicing thinking of that, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ followers are resurrection people. Christ followers know that no matter what happens today, no matter what confusion occurs in the world, no matter what destruction, no matter what division, no matter what evil occurs, that is not the last page in the story. That's not to minimize that some days are astonishingly hard. Some things are almost unbearable, but we do not ever despair we refuse to even be discouraged because that's just that day. It is not the end of the story. You wouldn't watch a movie. You wouldn't read a novel that had no conflict in it at all, nothing for the characters to do. You'd say, that was a really flat, uneventful... There, there was no storyline to that. So why do we want our lives so often to be like that? There is conflict. 
There are ups and there are downs. There are days of rejoicing. There are days of disappointment and sorrow. But Jesus, Jesus has recreated who we are. And we know what the end of the story is. For he now is seated at the right hand of God, on the throne of God. And he is the sovereign of all. Death has been defeated. The gates of hell have been blown wide open. And he offers life, eternal life, immortal life to every person who is willing to, to repent of their self-centered independence and trust him. And he loves us. It's what he's wanted before he ever began to create for you and for me to be reconciled to him. So he could just love us and we'd know it and we'd be glad and we'd receive it. And we'd love him back. That was his plan for us. And regardless of what difficult thing you will go through, he will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said those words. And though one day your body and my body will be laid in the ground, that's only going to be for a while because we are resurrection people. That is only the end of one chapter in the story. There are many more wonderful chapters that are going to be written when he comes and gives life to all who have trusted in him. So, you who mourn today, mourn the separation by temporary death of someone or some people that you have loved very, very dearly. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that when he said these words, anyone who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die? Do you believe him? Is that the foundation of your life? For those of you who are living without paychecks because of the events of COVID, for those of you who are tired, way tired of living with social separation, do you believe him? You who have to deal with difficult people, for some of you, it's a difficult X. For some of you, there are some very wicked 
cruel people where you work and you have to be with them every day. In spite of the difficult people in your life, do you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? You who are receiving treatments for cancer today, is your heart filled with fear? Or do you believe this, that Jesus Christ is the restorer of life? And for all of us who deep down beneath all of our hopes and fears fear death the most, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? There is no longer any reason for any of us to fear. For the creator of the world has chosen you and done everything so that you can live forever. On Easter mornings, when we celebrate the resurrection, a part of the service always is these words. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling death by death, and on those in the grave bestowing life. So let us listen to these words that John wrote to the people who were a part of his church. He said, and now, dear children, continue in him, in Christ, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope purify this purify themselves just as he is pure. So let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we have come here today to worship you, our Savior, our Redeemer, the Risen One, the King of Heaven, our Creator, the One who gives us life each moment. Thank you for, thank you 
for humbling yourself and coming to live here on this planet for us. Thank you for choosing to love us. Thank you for doing everything that was necessary for us to be reconciled to you. So there's no great thing we must do. All we must do is turn to you and trust you. Thank you for making us children of God. And now we ask that you would help us all to live that life of a resurrection person. May we indeed be pure as Jesus himself is pure. And may you, our sovereign, be glorified in everything that we do. We ask this to honor you, our Savior. Amen. So let us bow our heads and ask for his blessing. We praise and glorify you, O Lord. We offer our lives to you. You have our devotion. Your love has won our hearts. We trust in you. Engulf us every moment of our lives in your astonishing love. And so we do trust in you. So we ask for your blessing upon us. May you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless us. Would you give us strength? Would you build our faith? Would you fill us with your spirit, granting us your wisdom? And may we go from this place to bring the good news of Jesus into the brokenness of our world. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat>